Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. You can call me by my Chinese name, Shangguan Jiewen. I'm from the U.S., but I'm here in Wuhan, China. And today we are with... Alex Shi, and I'm Chinese, and I'm talking to you from Beijing. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Today we're going to be talking about work culture, the differences and similarities within China and outside of China, the U.S., elsewhere in the world. I wanted to start off with a cliché. Guanxi. Could you tell us what's Guanxi? <laughs> you know that word is sometimes not sometimes when we try to explain it to people that are not familiar with the Chinese culture. We try to say that means connection, but that but connection is different from what we're trying to say. Connection is more、mm. like、mm. you know I know Jason and I know that he does this, and Jason is one of the connections. I have because we're on good terms, and you know I could maybe connect him with this person I'm talking to. You know that's sort of just a very matter of fact、uh, statement of what the relationship status is between two people or, or among multiple people. But guanxi is kind of like it's not really it's not bribery.、Mm-hmm. It's very different. It's not about power either. It is in a way, of course, about the people that you、mm-hmm. know. But it's something that you kind of have to know how to navigate and how to nurture.、Mm. And a lot of people look at it, you know, with a sort of a negative、um, a connotation to the words. But for me, it's just a very specific way of growing your your growing your connections.、Network. Yeah, your network in the Chinese、uh, culture context. I don't think it's negative. And I want you to correct me, and that's why、I'm, I want to try to debunk that Guanxi is that different from Western business culture. And if I'm wrong, I welcome you to correct me. <laughs> so my feeling, my my father was a businessman. He did construction work,、uh-huh. and if he wanted to get a project signed off by you know a and a building inspector, or he wanted to get a contract, it was useful for him to have a good relationship with that building inspector or with the other business. That's you know maybe there's a plumbing business. Hey, I'm doing a plumbing business. You're doing a framing business.、Mm-hmm. If you help me get work on your project, I'll get you help. Work, work on my project. Is 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 this the same as Guanxi? Is it just kind of like, hey, friends who do business together, who have good relationships with each other, help each other get work? Would you say that the same or dissimilar from Guanxi? I think that's definitely a huge part of it. But there's also sort of if you there's something that's a little more elevated than that is like we're assuming that every person that we're going to be working with in the Chinese culture context is you know someone of quality or the business is good at what they do or they could finish they could fulfill your request of what you need them for、mm-hmm. but then on top of that people try to show themselves as the face or the front of the business to the clients or to whoever. And they kind of try to connect on a very personal level, and in that way, it's a different、uh, vetting process. Almost, it's like、mm-hmm. I'm telling you that you know, hey, I would love to show you. 
that I am very, very eager to work with you. I'm very sincere with my requests, but at the same time, I want you to see that I am really willing to put in uh, effort, time, and you know, some because sometimes these guanxi needs uh, your spare time to to build, or you have to spend more hours either talking to them or, or you know, eating or drinking with them. But on mm. that. When you do that, so there's a social context. Yeah, it's kind of like really showing the hey, hey, I really want this project. But once you do that, if that gets recognized, you guys start, you know, the beginning of a beautiful friendship or, or a beginning of a beautiful mm -hmm. uh, working relationship, and you kind of mm -hmm. just you keep this client or you keep this vendor for long term, and it's it's kind of like investment um, that you make upfront to establish a, a friendship rapport at the same time as doing business. Would you say? I would. I would say so. I'm going to flip to another one because Guanxi is one of the two big ones that I'm sure lots of people have made money writing books about. <laughs> yes. And the other one is Mianza or face. So how would you describe it before I uh, I throw out all of my expat opinions? <laughs> Mianza is, um, I mean, sometimes depends on, again, same with building Guanxi for me. If the company or the team or the project is solid enough, then both Guanxi and Mianza are are you know, added bonus mm, mm. for for what you could do as a team or as a company. But if you only focus on those things without thinking about how to provide better service, uh, service or making better products, mm, mm, mm. then that's that's definitely super super harmful for what you're trying to mm -hmm, do because mm -hmm. you're really not sorting out your priorities. I'm going to try to do the same thing I did before. So face is like about giving respect. So what I'd like to say is in American business, if you have a boss and they say something maybe that is not completely accurate to the way that the product works or something in a board meeting or wherever, you wouldn't necessarily just correct them right there in front of everyone and say, oh, no, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> it works like this. And so you, you wouldn't do that. You would give your boss respect and maybe say, oh, well, well, you're right about X, Y, and Z. Some other, some other things I would like to point out are A, B, and C. So you wouldn't, and I think this is the same thing, giving me as a giving face is about showing yeah. respect for the senior members of the team. Yeah. It seems to me, uh, you know, on the face of it, uh -huh, <laughs> uh, that face exists in both companies uh, or countries, you know, when you're doing business, you wouldn't just say that your senior in the company is wrong. You would try to do it in a respectful way. Yep. You might disagree or add value or add information to what they were saying. Yeah. So is there is there a difference between this or is essentially face very much the same. Uh, uh, maybe I'm wrong. I think if, if we're talking about the way you said it just now, if we're talking about giving face to your senior leaders or to your clients, whatever, that is the same with giving, showing respect. But there's also keeping face, you know? Mm -hmm. and so when we're talking about keeping face, that's more like, I feel like a lot of, uh, if we're kind of just go straight into the kind of the work culture differences between China and the rest of the world, a lot of people would talk about how Chinese um, businessmen like to keep face and they like to do some work or, or some uh, almost like showy stuff. But 
that's just kind of what we do. <laughs> like we like to look presentable. We like to make sure that we're showing uh, whoever we're working with the best side of us. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, it's not the it's not really well. I guess that's also giving respect too, right? Speaking yeah. Of- I'm also thinking like you know a junior member of a team or someone fresh out of college. I'm just thinking about just from their perspective alone, and I can think of other examples. They also want to show the best form of themselves. So maybe they go out and buy a suit they can't afford. So it seems like everyone in business, if you really think about it, no one's trying to make themselves look bad. What I'm trying to articulate is maybe Chinese and American business aren't so dissimilar. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they are quite dissimilar. And, I, you know, there are some things on the edge that seem different, but it does seem there are like there are a lot of parallels between business in the U.S. and business in China. You know, you're talking about the quality of your product. Increasingly, the quality of Chinese products is better and better. You know, I'm sure like 20 years ago, there was a time where people could say, ah, you know, Chinese quality may not be as good as American or Japanese, but that's not true. Uh, China now has the fastest supercomputer in the world, makes some of the best phones in the world. Mm -hmm. They have maintained the the longest fusion reaction ever maintained in a tokamak. That's an energy field that I'm really interested in. So the reality is now China is making some of the best products in the world. So when I when I think about Guanxi and face, I maybe it's because I can't see it. Maybe it's because I'm still have my Western goggles on, but I don't see that it's that dissimilar really from like American business culture. I really like what you said because well, I, I work in the sort of the intercultural communication field. And every time when people are asking us, they're like, how do we manage our global teams? And there's so many conflicts that our overseas colleagues have with Chinese colleagues. And I'm always like, you know, it's going to be really hard to say we're going to help you become more interculturally competent or interculturally intelligent because that is an end result of so many different aspects, so many different Mm. factors Mm. in your life. It's hard to to help someone within the short time they're staying in a company to become Mm. super familiar or super, you know, um, uh, interculturally aware and alerted. But what we can do is we put everybody together and say, hey, this is our mutual goal. And uh, within that goal, like, what are you going to do? And then that's the moment when you realize if when we put everybody in the same kind of conversation framework, you realize what you just said, like, we're not that different. It's just there's a certain specific shape of how we show intention becomes different, mm, you know, mm. after years, millennia of development of, of, of different countries. Mm. But the the drive force, the motivation behind those are actually pretty similar. So we're trying to help people just kind of, you know, look beyond what little conflicts, uh, you know, differences in what we call work styles mm-hmm. and really see what we want at the end of the day. And that always manages that always manages to align very easily between team members. Well, you know, you just brought up that you were an expert in this field and that makes and that puts a lot of the onus for the future of this conversation on you. <laughs> so, uh, my question Scratch is Scratch that. I didn't say that. <laughs> my question is okay, so what are maybe I'm starting off from the wrong point. You know, I I wrote a lot of the outline of how we're going to continue this conversation. And I wrote that about assumptions that I had from the West about things being about things like Mianza and Guanxi. Mm. What would you say are some of the top two or three kind of intricate, subtle shapes that evolve or differences that people and from an Amer- from America might have when adapting to Chinese business environment. This feels like I'm talking about. <laughs> this is this. This suddenly feels like a work meeting. I'm pitching my product <laughs> to the internal clients. But a couple examples that are very uh, you know prominent in the in the global collaboration. People will talk about one is very very. We kind of touched on that as well. 
you know, being direct and being indirect. Chinese people tend、mm. to talk in a very indirect way,、mm. usually. And this is why I said that, you know, we don't like to kind of label people or put people in the box of what their culture usually mm-hmm, does. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. in tech world, actually, a lot of Chinese workers or Chinese leaders are not indirect. They're very direct.、Mm. They're more direct than their overseas counterparts mm, ever mm, expected. Mm. And their overseas counterparts might have even studied or, or tried to know about what. Quote unquote Chinese business norms are.、Mm-hmm. And then they meet their Chinese colleagues and they're nothing like what those norms describe.、Right, and they're、yeah. like, what? You told me. Because it's a bell curve and then there are individual people.、Right? Yeah. And you told me that they're going to be super polite and trying to keep face and give face and they're not going to be. But that was not the case. They came to me and they told me what was wrong. There was no, you know, that we call it the, the sandwich, the, the sandwich model of giving. Yeah,、FIFA. the sandwich. Good, bad, yeah, good. Yeah, the Chinese leaders or the Chinese、uh, colleagues are just like,、uh, you need to change this. <laughs> like, <laughs> this needs to be fixed. So that's, that's one thing. And then the other one that's a little,、mm. a little mm. Um, fancier is,、um, if I remember the word correctly, it's、uh, egalitarianism、mm-hmm. versus、uh, status.、Mm-hmm. So some people like to look at the team, or some cultures like to look at the team as all contributing parts, but some people might like to work with a more hierarchical structure within the team. Like, I need to know who reports to who, who gives、uh, order, and who does the execution. And、mm-hmm. so, again, I think traditionally people would like to think that Chinese people are more status oriented.、Mm-hmm. Um, but again, in, in tech world, because I sort of work in uh,、um, um, uh, internet companies, it's That is all sort of changing. And I don't know if it was the case a couple years before, but right now it's like whatever we thought that Chinese people like to do, there are quite few cases that say otherwise. So、mm-hmm. that's some of the examples when it comes to what you know, people expect the other,、uh, their coworkers from another culture would work. Well, I imagine a lot of our listeners at home are really thankful to have some of this、uh, feedback because a lot of Americans do business in China and, li- and r- vice versa. So this could actually be extremely useful. You're all welcome, listeners. <laughs> But you know, I mean, your first point was essentially about don't make stereotypes. So, yes. Like, Yeah, maybe there's kind of a bell curve about a culture's shape in terms of the way it does business, but individuals are not part of a bell curve. They're not dots on a, some sort of stati- statistician's like, piece of paper people are going to. So, yeah, you might anticipate, read a bunch of books about Chinese culture doing business here, and then you come over and find that it's very different from that. Yeah. You know, I want to change, shift gears a little bit. Yeah, I can't offer, I can't offer too much of my expertise for free. You have to pay for it next time. Yes, yes. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> If you need to reach out to Alex, sure. <laughs> Contact us after the show. Okay, so、um, food. So, you know, in America, like if you work in a restaurant, you might, ha- you might get food, maybe, or maybe get different food from the same food that everyone else gets. But a lot of jobs don't provide food. Like you go to, sure, you go to work for Google, you're going to have like, you know, a tennis court and like bicycles you can use on campus and free food. And there's a Starbucks、mm. with no limit. But like most businesses in America, it's like, okay, it's your lunchtime. You have 45 minutes or something. Go, go, go. Get back before it's. <laughs> But like in China, I have found that every company that I have worked for 
ha- provides food in some way. So it's like, okay, it's lunch. There's a kitchen and they're just going to, there's a place you can go get food. Just bring, do you have a bowl with you? Did you bring yeah. your own, did you bring your own plate? You, if you have your own plate, just go and get some food. And I find that's very different from my experience of, of working in America where it's like, okay, everyone frantically, they brought their lunch or they're frantically going to get lunch because the time is tight. Hmm. But I find that uh, it's not the same in China. A lot of businesses, you know, for that matter, I should say Asia, because I can include South Korea in this. I worked in a company in South Korea, yeah. and there was food provided by the company. It's like lunchtime. I think part of that's also like they don't want you to go. They want you to just be there. <laughs> now that you're finished, you still have time to get on those reports. Work as much <laughs> as you can. <laughs> I mean, have you found that that's the case? Most of the Chinese companies I worked with, I haven't worked with too many Chinese companies because I was freelancing a lot. But for the three companies that I worked with that are Chinese, um, they all offer at least free lunch. Some mm. of them, uh, my current company offers three meals for free and uh, afternoon wow. tea. Yeah. And we have a canteen in every building. And you do work in the tech industry. So you work on a like Chinese version of a Google campus. Is that not correct? That just gave me a, maybe I could pitch that to my company and say, hey, hire me for this <laughs> role. And uh, I already have previous input that you will be that would be very valuable. You could turn that into money. So just hire me. But I don't think that's going to happen. But they are they are very, I feel like food at work is very important to Chinese employees. And I can't lie when they told me they're like, hey, we offer three meals a day and plus afternoon tea. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to save so much money. <laughs> it, it, it even changed my habit of not having breakfast. I would wake up like extra early just so that I could go to the office and have breakfast there. So, <laughs> <laughs> See, it's working. It's working. Yeah. You're doing more work. It's fantastic for them anyways. And I guess you get to free breakfast. What, how do you feel about punctuality, the difference between US and China? You think it's the same? I have had very different, uh, you know, information about different Chinese companies. I don't know about American companies. I don't feel like people punch in and out as often. I don't think too many companies do do that. I'm not sure because I never worked Mm. like full time within a company in America because I work in the creative industry. Uh, where there's no punching mm. in, you just got to mm. be on set on time. Mm. Chinese companies are, are drastically different. My current company, we don't we don't do that whole thing. Like you could get there at ten, you could get there at ten fifteen, ten thirty. Nobody really, nobody mm. be mm. like, oh, you you missed thirty minutes and you, we're gonna take money away from your pay this month. Mm. But I I know that other company other companies, and I don't think I should mention names, but there are certain companies that are very very strict with uh, punctuality of their employees. And I think rumor rumor has it that if you're one minute late, they take some money away. Wow. Yeah. And then that the the amount goes up. But and then if you're like late for more than certain times in a month or whatever their performance cycle is, then you may get kicked out. I've seen that in America too. I'm not gonna say the name of the company. <laughs> but I work I worked at a company that did have um where you had to punch literally a card in and out. It was you know, a big, well-known company and <laughs> the branch of it that I worked at in downtown San Francisco. Frantically searching um, on Google right now. <laughs> the branch of it that I worked at in downtown San Francisco, if you 
punched in late more than one minute, three times in a month, you would get a first verbal, uh-huh. a first verbal warning. Then you would get a first written and then a second written. And then they have the option of termination after. Oh, wow. I mean, I didn't have a problem with that because I always show up to work early. I'm that nerdy guy you know, <laughs> who's like, okay, I- I'm here, boss. What can I do? <laughs> but, you know, they did have that policy. And I was, and in China, I've, I've had that too. I've had both the jobs where you have to like, you know, punch in and I've had the kind of jobs where you don't have to punch in and both in the States and in China have had those both of those kinds of jobs. I think it's completely up to different uh, management decisions on how they want it. It's very, you know, very much dependent on the, 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 the corporate culture of the company that people work with. But I don't know if you've seen those videos mm, on mm. Douyin. I'm a heavy Douyin user. Mm. Some uh, workers at this company started to film this one colleague that they have who always arrives like two seconds before work that work time. And then <laughs> she would always run like crazy from downstairs all the way up. So they just started filming her just, just dashing to the building. And it's, it's, it's a, girl and it's you know she's like a small woman and, and the way she was running she was like running for her life and it's very it's it's more entertaining when you watch it than the way i'm describing <laughs> it but it's it's funny to look at You know, I saw this movie when I was really young, because it was a very long time ago, called Mr. Mom, has Michael Keaton, who is this gentleman who who decides to take care of the kids so his wife can go pursue her career ambitions with an advertisement company, agency. And uh, in this movie, her company, the advertisement agency, has a team building. Uh And it's like, you know, one... Sunday, they go to, I don't know, the boss's mansion and play a bunch of games. And I was very perplexed as a child because I, and growing up too, thinking about this, because I never worked for a company in America (laughs) that actually did have team buildings. But I come to China, oh my God, there are team buildings here. (laughs) Every company I have ever worked for every two to three months must all get on a bus and go somewhere like out in the countryside where there's a lake or a waterfall or like a mountain and you go hiking or you play these games or paintball or like (laughs) boating or like ATVs or something or go have at least, at least minimum go to like Heidi Lao together. Yep. Or all, all of the above. You do all of that and then you go to Heidi Lao afterwards. Team building seems to be a definite big deal in china have you have you experienced that we actually just had a team building last night and uh <laughs> that's why i was feeling very uh <laughs> you know not 100 percent because it was a great time that we mm. had we went to um went to a restaurant and we ordered a whole bunch of food it was just a we, everybody was just feasting and uh, mm. a lot of alcohol we're it was very casual and we were the loudest in the <laughs> in the place last night and we all had that mm. little um I was asking my foreign colleague what it was because one of the colleagues made, um, are those things called garland? The kind of the, not the ruffle, like, you know, the colorful, shiny paper. So we're wearing that. And then it was just a lot of uh, talking about, of course, workplace gossips and stuff. Because yeah. it's fun. And we're just dancing to live music for a long time. I will say, though, I am not a super fan of team building that's going to bring me to a new place. I don't know with my entire team and with all the colleagues that I spent at least nine hours with every day for <laughs> three days. I don't know if I'll like it or not. You did that, didn't you? I have reservations you because, you know, 
uh, you and me are really busy people. So like a Sunday is not a time for me to just chill at home in my pajamas and watch TV. I don't do that. I've got so many different projects going on. So when one of my team says, we're going to have a team building, my first thought is, how much work am I not going to get done because of this? So like- <laughs> You're a workaholic. Jason. I, am, I think I am. But anyways, mm. when I do go to team buildings, I do find that I have a genuinely good time. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, okay. I've never been on an ATV. Now I have been on an ATV. That's cool. You know, this is a new experience and I get to see my- my coworkers, not just grinding through the day, but actually just like <laughs> sort of enjoying themselves. Uh -huh. I, I'm not going to say who or what company, but recently I was at a team building and one of the direct reports of our boss was being told by another person, oh, the boss wants to see you right now. And she's like, I'm not going. Oh, wow. This is my day off. I'm just going to sit here in the sun and do whatever I want. And then I was, I was actually... I had a different perspective on this person because this person is the jump to yes boss person of the company. <laughs> so when she was like, I'm not nah, going, I was like, oh, wow, this person is a human being. <laughs> I understand that. And I had a lot more respect for her after I heard her basically say she's not going to do what the boss wants right now. I was like, okay, cool. Good for you. It is your day. I off. do understand that. Um, I have, because this team building for me, it came shortly after I joined the team, a couple months only. And, you know, I kind of feel like, alcohol sort of brings out brings out a you know another aspect and not necessarily a, a, a mm, bad mm. side of a person and you kind of just know there's some mm. some of the you know some of uh, uh co-workers that i have are quieter you know uh relatively quieter mm -hmm. usually but you see kind of like it's not a huge um it's not a like a drastic difference of w how they carry themselves usually at work but when you see them kind of just loosen up and and let go and just you know just really enjoy the time together that's yeah it, it helps it kind of immediately brings you guys closer i guess that's why chinese companies are mm -hmm. so um are so into doing organized team buildings i think that's a way of really binding everybody yeah. together but i think speaking of i think maybe um, they do it differently in the States because one thing that I do think happen that happens more often in the States that doesn't happen as often mm -hmm. here is happy hour. Mm. Right? I mm. think I think American teams do more happy hour stuff or, or bars or restaurants are more on board with that idea. I think that can happen, but I think it can get clicky, mm -hmm. you know, where it's like, oh, okay, these five people are going out to the bar together. Yeah. And then, you know, poor Nelson, for lack of a better name, <laughs> sorry for all of the Nelsons out there listening, <laughs> doesn't get invited <laughs> because he's awkward. <laughs> oh, luckily, I don't know any Nelson. Otherwise, I don't either. I don't know any Nelson. I would, I would totally bring this, I would just edit this out and send it to him. <laughs> so, the good thing about team building is they invite everyone. I mean, and I mean, they usually invite yeah. everyone. So, in Chinese culture, we have someone we call an ai, <laughs> which means auntie. And they oftentimes are the person yep. very few people talk to very much. And they're usually an older, oftentimes lady, usually a lady. And that person usually just cleans everything yeah. behind the scenes and makes sure everything is running. And actually, they're probably one of the most fundamental pieces of the company because everything's pleasant because this person is constantly keeping everything in order and tidy and all the trash empty and stuff. But one good thing I have noticed is that this person usually does get invited to the team building. So you get to hang out with this less appreciated member of the team. And that's always And nice those people, you. most of the times, know more than way more about the company than you 
could imagine. <laughs> yeah, do you know what they put in the garbage the other day? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, I wouldn't be surprised. I think those people are sort of the, the intelligence center of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we have a lot of security uh, team members that get invited to. So there's usually someone called a Bawan, and they look like a police officer, but they're not. They're like a security person who protects and yep. keep your premise safe. And every team building I've been on, the Bawan's there smiling and laughing and drinking a little bit of beer or Pijo or whatever. I'm oh, sorry, uh, Baijo, yeah. I was going to say. You know what? Another thing, this may be a bad way to represent my understanding of Chinese culture, but there's this list of 600 Buddhas that I found a long time ago, many years ago. Mm-hmm. The different Buddhas are like, you know, the praying Buddha and this and that. There's one called Drunken Buddha. And I was like, what's this? I'm like, I'm so <laughs> interested. What is a Drunken Buddha? You must know. So I went on like all these different websites and I couldn't find any, you know, accurate information that was like, this is what it is definitively. And there was never, but I did read on one website that it means letting your guard down yeah if you're the quote-unquote boss and showing a you know more vulnerable side of yourself through maybe drinking a very so i was at a team building a year ago uh-huh. and one of my bosses they were like just slamming <laughs> by joe i started asking her at some point about the work and she was like we're not doing work right now jason let's just have fun and she poured me some more by joe and I was like, okay, yeah, cool. Go boss. That is cool. And I, you know, and maybe that's not what the uh, quote unquote drunken Buddha was about, but I like to think it is. I mean, I honestly don't <laughs> really know what uh, the drunken Buddha does, but I've only heard that, you know, in some sort of weird fantasy TV shows. But, <laughs> but I mean, it is because you think about Buddhism and the hardcore Buddhists, they don't drink. They don't take alcohol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if yeah, and then if you're you're you are a Buddha means you have already reached the highest realm of of Buddhism and you're able to still get into that kind of tipsy, you know, mental status. That means you have already, how do you say, ascended beyond all <laughs> of these, you know, restrictions and and yeah, rules. Yeah. And that's I mean, if you're a leader and you could get to that stage, then your team is gonna be, you know, very happy with you. <laughs> Now, I want to talk about um, some of the differences in benefits because I think there's a huge misconception and maybe maybe it's not as much so because I've been living in China a long time. I'm not even sure what the misconceptions Americans have of China are anymore, but <laughs> but you know, I still watch a lot of movies and TV shows and it seems to me that Americans think that, you know, China is this place where people are just working all the time and they don't have the good life or whatever. And it's so <laughs> opposite of how it is. So I'd like to talk to um, yes. directly to you, my American friends, driving down the, in your cars. <laughs> you know, a Chinese lady in Shanghai and Hong Kong gets 158 days paid maternity leave legally. Wait. America, zero. Wh- and maybe you work for a company. Yeah, that's true, Alex. It is true. Now, if you work for a company, that company in America might give you paid maternity, but there's no law. And in China, there is a law that the company must compensate you full pay for 158 paid maternity leave. Now, that's just in uh, Beijing and Shanghai, but the whole rest of the country, I think they get 140 or 150 days paid maternity leave. That's everywhere for every company doing any job paid maternity leave. That is not something our American friends get. And they recently just added a month, I think. Wow. Yeah. And then they've started to do paid paternity leaves for the dads Mm -hmm. as well. I think for a month or, or, or two months, I don't know the exact dates, but it's funny you mentioned 158 days because 
I know that number too because I was just talking to my friend who recently had a new baby boy and I was asking her when she's gonna go back to work. She's like, I can stay with her uh, with him until she turns uh, five, mm. six months. I'm like, wow, that's awesome. That is awesome. Unpaid, of course. Any full-time and paid employees in China also get medical and pension. Pension is something that's handled through the federal government in the U.S., but people don't necessarily get medical. I, I think under the Obama plan, they are supposed to, mm -hmm. but what a lot of American companies will do is not let you be full-time. So you'll just be working like just a few hours short of full time and the company will just make you not I so that you they that. don't have to pay that. And then that does not happen in China. In China, companies do pay the medical. And if you're sick, you can go to the hospital. And plus clinics are really cheap. Yeah. So again, our for our American listeners, you know, do working in China has considerable advantages over working. In <laughs> I would actually agree with that. And I know a lot of people talk about, you know, the freedom at work and, and, and work culture and stuff. But mm. there are a lot of companies where people are working, you know, they really enjoy themselves. And I I, I'm not praising mm. one company over another, but there are some of the, you know, big state-owned companies where people would think that, you know, it, it has a more strict working culture and, you know, they there are a lot of rules you have to go by. But I personally know people working for mm -hmm. those companies and they're really, they feel very fulfilled because, of course, they're working with a huge brand that has like huge market shares, but also they do a lot of stuff at work and mm. they give us free stuff that mm. the, the, that they get from work, like <laughs> rice and uh, weird desserts and, and fruits and whatever all the time. And there's just really good, really good benefits. And basically in China, if you could work for a company, your social benefits um, and your medical insurance is covered. And again, like and even if you have to spend quite a little bit on you know, treatment or, or any medical service you would need, which is already very, very cheap here compared with the States. I think a lot of Americans are afraid to get sick too. When I lived in the US, I remember I was at a yoga class and I was doing fine, you know, mm -hmm. touch your toes, great, you know, touch over your toes, great. Then this guy was like, let's do a headstand. And I'm like, hmm, okay, sure. What? No. I was just following <laughs> this guy along. I was like, okay, this is part of the program. So I collapsed on myself. Oh, God. Onto my neck. And it, obviously, there was some kind of damage. And he was, I was like, ah, I'm really embarrassed. And he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm fine. I ran, ran out. I didn't have medical insurance. I was working full time, I think almost, but I didn't have any kind of medical insurance at all whatsoever. Man. So I did not get it checked out. And in the winters, it started hurting like really dramatic pain through my neck and shoulder. Yeah. Especially if I walked. I, I, one thing I like to do is, you know, those tracks that they have at colleges or high schools where there's like a track. Yeah. Like a, you know, track and field track. Yeah. I like to just walk around those in a loop to just get my exercise sometimes. Mm hmm. And if I did like more than four or five laps, my shoulder would start hurting so bad that I would have to stop. Eventually, I got it treated in China. And they gave me, this is a true story. They gave me a single pill and a I got a massage <laughs> uh -huh. and I was fine. It was corrected forever. But <laughs> I was so scared of going to an American doctor because I, I was like, I don't want to come out with like a multi-thousand dollar bill or what? It, what's worse? What did they say? You need surgery. And then I owe tens of thousands of dollars that follows me around for the rest of my life or something. 
I think that's a terrifying reality for a lot of American people is the, you know, you can't access one of the America has some of the most advanced medical technology in the world, but very, you know, not everyone has access to that. They're not able yeah. to get it, get access to this amazing technology. Mm. What's worse is a lot of people who have symptoms that could be treated easily at the beginning don't go seek treatment because they're afraid of the medical bill and then it becomes something very life-threatening later. Yeah. Which is not a, as big of a problem in China because I think I read the statistics in preparation for a, a podcast that I'm doing with Bebe, our other friend, uh-huh. about medicine and it's like 98% of all Chinese people are covered under the Chinese medical system somehow and yeah it's just not the same in the u.s so another advantage of being an employee in china is hey if, if you need to go to the doctor you can go to the doctor yeah and then a lot of uh, uh companies have their own clinic as well the bigger companies have their own mm, clinic mm, and mm. it's kind of like that's my favorite part of you know when i was going to the uh, when i was going to college there's you have what we call the xiao yi shi, the, the the school doctor um, office mm. and it's it's easy it's right on campus or now right now it's like right in your company you can just go if it's just a little headache a little cough you need to get rid of it just go in mm. there and mm. it's mostly mm. covered by your insurance with the company and mm. it costs you nothing so you were talking about earlier i wanted to talk about like the hierarchy but you actually kind of beat me to it because you said that um, whereas there's a bell curve, right, or the stereotypes about how Chinese line reports work, that when the reality on the ground is that different companies work very differently. So yeah. when I was approaching this topic and getting ready to talk to you, I was thinking about, you know, in America, usually there is a, it feels like there's a very hard line. You know, this is your line, who you're supposed to report to. These are your direct reports. You know, maybe you can go around your leader and talk to your leader's leader. And it's kind of okay as long as you're you're not trying to disrespect for your leader. (laughs) It seems to me in China, people don't always even, there are reports, there are technically, but people don't even know. (laughs) <laughs> Sometimes who is supposed to report to who, which is not to say that it's dysfunctional. Yeah. It's to say that my feeling, my experience has been that it's more like, oh, yeah, well, that's your job. This is my job. You do your job. Well, I'll do my yeah. job. Well, <laughs> great. You know, if I have feedback for you, great. If you have feedback for me, great. But it's not like, oh, this person is your report. This person is your dotted line report. This person. You know, yeah. It's not as hard and fast in in terms of in the bell curve. Yeah. Do you think that's accurate? I think, again, I think China is in a, in a time of transition, really. And I think traditionally, mm-hmm. the way that Chinese companies work, their organizational structure is very straightforward. It's, you know, you you have you have a manager and manager has a team and the team does whatever the manager says because that's very company based mm. but now with with you know the mm. internet companies the tech companies coming up and then the change mm. of the kind of the not just the working culture but the request and demand on speed and variety teams kind of have to function in more of a a project based way and when 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 the team kind of functions on that it's hard to just be like the team leader decides everything and everybody just you know collaborate and uh, more like cooperate and finish whatever you're asked to do and we're fine and in this project based uh trend you just you kind of need to be very clear in terms of who's your who you report to and like you said who's your dotted line mm-hmm. reader because it's hard to always work in that top down structure 
there's too many things that mm-hmm. need to be to be done and a lot of things could be changing it kind of asks for more for more ownership from each and every team member and at least for mm-hmm. the company i'm working with that's kind of the case where we all kind of have to take initiatives and and ownership on the product we're working on and we just need to make sure who we're reporting to and that that relates more to our uh performance review our KPIs and um other than that it's like very flexible a lot more flexible than traditional companies uh here in China and then again for traditional companies for example if it's a real estate company then their their business line is um comparatively more simple and the products are all related to uh real estate let's say then they are, they would have a mm-hmm. very top down structure where you really just need to execute whatever that comes from mm. senior leadership in your company um that's probably still mm. the case but like i said there's just a mixture of everything i don't know i don't know who's going to win after we go over this this you know tide of uh, tech companies and and technology mm. you know mm. wave but at least from my experience it's really again i feel like i'm not giving any answers i'm just saying everyone <laughs> everyone's different every question you ask me i was like we're different everybody's different <laughs> talk about Baidu. So um, in America, we have something called Silicon Valley, which is in near San Jose, near the Stanford campus, um, south of San Francisco in what we call the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. So there's an area near Shenzhen and linking like parts of Macau, I think, and it, it's in the south. And China is calling this the Greater Bay Area. And there's a place, well, I think it's appropriate. They built all yeah. these bridges to connect it and they're getting ready. Yep. And uh, there's this campus they're building there called the Baidu campus. Um, and on this campus, one of the amenities among many in this super high-tech campus they're building for Baidu workers yeah. is uh, automated cars. So driverless yeah. cars, but they're not cars. They're like pods. That So you get in a pod and you just say where you want to go and the pod brings you to the part of the campus that you want to go. And uh, I just think that's amazing. You know, not just replicating like the idea of a Silicon Valley campus, but improving yeah. upon it by bringing some of the most advanced technologies to it. Baidu is actually making a driverless car and a driverless bus. I saw them. I was in Beijing. It's out. The actual cars? Yeah, 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 yeah. They were testing them. 
I, they weren't, they were still had people in them behind the wheel, but they weren't touching the wheel. I watched them and they yeah. were in a Shogong Park, you know, the big industrial looking yeah, park yep. that's been all repainted out West where there's a skate park and a bar and a Starbucks and more and more and more. <laughs> but um, they had, I went there two different, on two different occasions, no, three. Mm. So first I saw them there. I was riding my bike by and I was like, whoa, driverless cars. So I went home and I was like, wait a minute, I'm a vlogger, blogger. I need to go back. So I went back <laughs> like the next weekend and I filmed a bunch of it, took a bunch of pictures and filmed it. Mm. And I think I made a blog about it. And then I was talking to my wife and she was like, no way, let's go. So we went again, like another week or two later, and we made another blog and another vlog about it. We watched them. They have buses. We even tried to go interview them. At first they were like, oh, we can't talk to you. <laughs> my wife is very charming. So she eventually, they were like, oh yeah, yeah. We'll just tell you that, yeah, this and that. And she, they were telling us all about it. And they were like, we've been testing here for weeks and we're getting ready for, to roll them out around the same time as the 2022 Olympic, Winter Olympics. What? So I guess they'll be in this area that the Olympic people can jump into the bus and there'll be no driver. It'll take them wherever they want to go or whatever. And so they're using the same technology on this Baidu campus in the greater Bay Area down in Shen, the uh -huh. Shenzhen area. And I think it's just amazing. You know, what's really interesting, Baidu is so advanced that California lets them test their driverless cars on the roads in California. And... Tesla had not at the time, anyways, of me writing this article, like late uh -huh. spring, yet got permission to actually use the same technology without a driver behind the wheel in China. Wow. So in a lot of ways, Baidu was already more advanced than Tesla in this technology. See, I didn't even know that as a Chinese person. I didn't know that Baidu got the permit to test before Tesla did in California. It's a subsidiary company, but they say Baidu on the cars and then they say the name of the subsidiary, which is a part of Baidu on the cars as well. I can't remember what that is. Good enough to have Baidu on there. <laughs> we don't ask for too much. But you know, it must be great. I mean, I wish that I had gotten coding when at classes when I was 10 years old. And Oh my God, same. I could go hang out on these campuses and like have free pizza and Starbucks and be <laughs> driven around by robots. <laughs> Jason, there are other there are other roles in a tech company that you could also fight for, and you'll get the same stuff. But you'll never let will never feel as cool as the actual coders in these in these companies. I I have the same regrets. I really wanted to. I really wish that I had actually tried to learn more about Python when I was in school. I did take a semester of Python, and I don't remember anything, absolutely nothing. So we don't we don't get to work on those cool campuses. <laughs> I remember <laughs> I was a kid. I don't know. This was fifth grade or sixth grade. We had green screen apple computers and we it was the you know one of the first coding it was like literally like typing in it you go to line blah 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 it was before you know there was c plus and all that stuff that uh -huh. does all this stuff for you and our job was to like make a square appear on the screen okay now you need to kids, we're going to do something hard. You guys all need to make a circle. <laughs> so we're looking at these green screen computers and like 30 of us in a room all like goofing off and making, there's this little mm. like cursor that goes around and we're like playing with it. Like it's a video game instead of doing, I guess that's why I didn't get to stay in that course. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering why that was my only year. Now it's all starting to fall into place. <laughs> you figured it out. You figured it out eventually. That reminds me of uh, we're Definitely getting off topic, but very quickly. That reminds me of something that we learned in 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 computer, whatever you call it, in mm -hmm. primary school. Is it called something called logo? It's a little turtle. Yeah, you... yeah, 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 yeah. It's like a triangle. <laughs> uh, it's an no. actual little turtle 
and you had you a get little to, turtle. We had a turtle, and we get a command where the turtle go. We could tell the turtle to go up, like mm, mm, how many mm. whatever units, and then you could draw shapes. Like the turtle draws yeah. the shape for you. So, something similar, right? Mm-hmm. That sounds like the same. You're thing. describing, yeah, what I, I did as a kid too. Except for it's a little turtle. I know we are way off topic. I want to tell a story anyway. I was in high school. I, I was in I was in high school, and they had one of these green screen computers, one of the old original Apple computers, sitting on a shelf. There were two of them. And I looked at my teacher, I think her name was Mrs. Newbaum. I said, Mrs. Newbaum, is there any chance I could buy these from the school? And she was like, they're junk, Jason. And I was like, oh, but they're not going to be junk someday. So the principal, I asked the principal, I was like, hey, there's these two green screen <laughs> Apple computers that are like original <laughs> Apple computers in here. And that, you know, you guys think they're junk. Could I buy them? And he's like, yeah, sure. I'll, uh, I can sell them to you for $50. Just t- let me know next week. They come in next week. They're gone. And I was like, what happened to them? And he's, he's like, oh, I don't know. Where? But, you know, I, I'm sure that someone stole my idea and knew that, ah, this kid is onto something and that these are going to be collector's items. And they went yep. to some other person's, you know, collection. And that person has sold them for God knows how much money they're worth today. I think you said that line with too much confidence. And they're like, he's probably right. And they moved before you did. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, childhood dreams crushed. Anyways, yeah. we have, we as much as we have gotten off topic, we've also run out of time. <laughs> Which <laughs> is a win-win situation, kind of. <laughs> it's always lovely to talk with you, Alex, here on The Bridge, and I hope our listeners feel the same way, and they'll tune in with us next time. Yeah, you, they better feel the same way, because we'll be keeping, uh, we'll keep coming back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a wonderful day, Alex. <laughs> you too, Jason. Lovely talking to you, and bye-bye, everybody. Bye.